Welcome, teacher friend. I'm Lori. And I'm Melissa. We are two literacy educators in Baltimore. We want the best for all kids, and we know you do too. Our district recently adopted a new literacy curriculum, which meant a lot of change for everyone. Lori and I can't wait to keep learning about literacy with you today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Melissa and Lori Love Literacy. We are very excited about today's guest because she is a pioneer. She did not back down in the time of COVID for implementing high-quality instructional materials in her district. She is the uh, Director of Curriculum Instruction and Assessment, and we can't wait to talk with her today. Melissa, how excited are you? Yeah, we it's been a little while since we've talked to someone who uh, is just starting to implement <laughs> wit and wisdom. So it'll yeah. be exciting. Um, and especially in this year where things are just very different. So it'll be interesting to hear how that's rolling out. I'm really excited. I know. I can't wait. So without further ado, Tracy, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. A little bit scared <laughs> like everybody else and a little stressed, but we're, we're hanging in there and a little better every day. Good, good, good. Okay, so tell us a little bit about yourself and just your role and your background, all the things that everybody listening wants to know. Yes, I am the Director of Curriculum Instruction and Assessment at South Sioux City Community Schools here in the northeast corner of Nebraska, and I've been in our district for about 20 years. Um, I've been in this role. This is starting my third year. Um, I was asked to take on this position a a couple of years ago. And um, prior to that, I had been a school psychologist and um, I've been in district administration here for, I'm going to say about 10 years. And I've done a little bit of all kinds of different things with that. Um, But yeah, I was asked to take on curriculum and instruction and assessment a few years ago. And um, so it's been kind of an interesting learning journey, especially with the start of COVID last year. I bet. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about, you know, Melissa is right. We have not talked to someone who's like just starting their journey in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know when we were preparing for this, you had mentioned that there's a big shift in your district from balanced literacy to high quality instructional materials. And I know you're using Witten Wisdom in K-5. Mm-hmm. Um, and Melissa and I really felt when we talked that that resonated so much with us because it was so much of what happened in Baltimore as well, Mm -hmm. um, that shift. Can you talk a little bit about that shift from balanced literacy to, you know, high quality instructional materials and and what that looked like and felt like and sounded like in your district? Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, Yes, we have been a balanced literacy district since actually before I even joined the district. So that goes back a long way. Um, I would say it's really fair to say that, especially now with this implementation, we're kind of seeing how how we really built a, a whole institution around those practices in terms of positions of staff, um, you know, structures of schedules, every resources and materials, all of it. And so I think the word journey is a good one to describe it because it's just been a really, uh, it's a process. It's for me, it's been like layer by layer, bit by bit. And so we, when I first started in this role, um, which would have been a couple of years ago in the spring. So I'm starting my third year. 
it wasn't very long into it before I had um, started to hear from principals at our elementary level, especially, and some teachers too, about we really need some new instructional resources. And so, okay, that sounded certainly reasonable. It had been a very long time since we adopted a series. It had been about 13 or 14 years, actually. And we've spent wow. the last, yeah. <laughs> And we've spent about the last uh, five or six years really focused on standards work in our district. And so prioritizing standards, unpacking them on proficiency scales, moving towards standards-based grading practices and all of that. And so it's kind of been the intersection of some of those pieces that have really, uh, that started us on this path. So when I started, again, I'd heard from lots of folks that we needed some new instructional materials, and certainly that was pretty evident, and teachers were working way too hard to find, you know, to source and procure and prepare all of their materials every day, along with preparing their lesson planning, too. So that made a lot of sense, and it started meeting with uh, our PLC teams at different buildings as much as I could and gathering input from them. And what I was hearing from different levels was sometimes different things. Our lower elementary really talked about the need for some more um, phonics-based type of activities. Upper elementary was really asking for more high-quality uh, literature pieces. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so we were all in agreement we needed to, to start that process. Working with those teams, though, and knowing that there was this diversity of requests coming in, we requested samples from a number of different companies. Those started rolling in and we, we started with Ed reports and everything we selected to request samples of was all green in Ed reports. So we're thinking everything coming in. Okay, great. Um, and then when they started showing up, um, I, I think I mentioned this before. <laughs> My secretary called me, texted me, and then called me one day, and she said, OMG, Tracy, this is coming off the back of a semi-truck. <laughs> and, and that's the moment where you can go, where are we going to put all this stuff? <laughs> and sure enough, one company sent us so much content for a sample that it came off of the back of a semi-truck on one of those pallet lifting <laughs> platforms. And I said, oh my gosh, I don't know what we're going to do with all of that. And she said, this is one of three pallets. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so that sort of starts telling you something. Well, when Wisdom was among that group that we looked at and when I came in, I got two boxes. So it really was a quick a quick trip to one of these things is not like the others. So as we started digging into that, that really caused us to, to myself and our three amazing instructional coaches at the elementary level started looking at those and going, okay, what is this? Why is this one so different? So I contacted our State Department of Ed, and we have some really awesome people at our State Department of Ed, <laughs> too. And I emailed them, two of them, and I said, um, you know, here's where we're at. Here's what's happening. What advice can you give, basically? And um, some of the feedback I got was, uh, and I had told them we're a balanced literacy district, and some of the feedback I got was you, you really should be reflecting on that practice because there isn't really a lot of research evidence for it. 
That's so forward thinking of your, of your DOE. It is. And I, in, in retrospect, I totally, totally appreciate that little nudge, that tap on the shoulder. But at the time I was very much caught off guard by that. I, um, I thought, what? No, we're, we're very forward thinking and we are, um, we try really hard in our district to be kind of forward thinking and on top of the research and things, but I think it just becomes sort of an environment you live in and it's kind of hard to see outside of that if that's where you're living every day. And uh, so that felt a little uncomfortable when I got that feedback, but that did that what I so appreciate about that from from now and not very long after, honestly, was it spurred me to really dig into research and start looking at that. And um, I was also directed by them to certain researchers like um, Tim Shanahan, um, the Lieben, some of those names that I think have become almost, I feel like, second nature, I want to call them friends at this point, <laughs> I've listened to so many podcasts and read so many things by all of them, Natalie yeah, Wexler, yeah. Emily Hanford, and uh, that's where we kind of started, and through a whole lot of uh, meetings and, and conversations, it just really became apparent that even though all the materials we were evaluating were all green and ed reports, there were really some important differences among them. And um, yeah, that's kind of where we ended things. But can you share what those differences were? Yes, absolutely. Um, Well, there were some materials that really were sort of a workshop approach. And so very, um, uh, I don't know what the right word is, pieces so you could and and the companies would say well you don't need to do the writing part you can do whatever you want for the writing part or you can swap out this piece or whatever and what I personally did not love about that was um, we needed coherence in our district I think that was a really significant need for me personally I don't know if I would have been able to name that at the time but I could see that impact from several years of us really leading teachers to say, look, you're the expert. You just need to know your standards. Go and find your materials. And I, I've really kind of come to realize that, one, that's not really a fair thing to ask of them. That's a lot of work and responsibility. But it didn't take me very long to realize as we started looking at materials too, though, that even if a teacher is just, just amazingly, outstandingly, unbelievably talented at doing that stuff, it doesn't work if it's not systemic. You don't get that traction. You don't get that benefit for students over time. And we operate as a PLC district and it really it has to be a very coherent in order to support those conversations as well Mm -hmm. so I didn't love the workshop approach um there were some other ones that that really were kind of a rebranding or repackaging of a balanced literacy approach where there were levels leveled readers and um you know those those company reps would say it, it's, it works really well if you have students who are 
diverse in some way, that's okay. Just level down for them. And after, I've had a number of conversations with primarily reading teachers in our district, and I know our ICs have as well. As, As you start becoming more aware of the research on balanced literacy and and better practice, mm-hmm. you can't unknow what you know. And it becomes, for me anyway, um, really kind of a moral obligation and an ethical obligation to, to just, you, once you know better, you just have to do better. And that's really, really hard and it's emotional and it's, uh, it's a journey. Yeah. But um, we could just see in some of the materials we were getting that it was going to be basically a, a repackaging of what we had been doing and we're trying to and would not support what we wanted in terms of move toward better practice. So, but knowing that a lot of our staff members had not had all of those opportunities to spend the time to dig into the research, um, we ended up deciding at the end of the year that we would kind of table that conversation for a while. And my my first part of my summer was spent planning for professional development for the coming year mm-hmm. to try to get us there and sort of incubate that a little bit so that we would be better positioned. But yeah, Tracy, you're reading my mind right there. Um, you brought me back to the days when we were choosing curriculum and we had two full rooms at our district full of those materials. <laughs> um, but see, we had the same conversation. You know, some of the people who were helping us mm-hmm. in the selection process really loved those ones that looked a lot like what they were used to seeing. Right. Um, and it was it was really tough to to you know, change the mindsets. And mm-hmm. I, I was going to ask, but it sounds like your PD is probably where you're starting to do this is like, how are you planning to help with that mindset shift? Well, um, what we ended up doing was, like I said, we said, okay, well, we're not ready. We were very clearly not all on the same page with it. And yet um, a number of us, a really good sized proportion of our of our staff and like I said a lot of them reading teachers have had more of an opportunity to engage in this learning and so um, we we at the end of the year we said we're going to table the conversation we'll kind of take this up again next fall and then over the summer this is another very forward thinking but challenging piece from our state department of ed we had outreach from them and they said, hey, you know, we have this opportunity for a few Nebraska districts to work with um, a consulting group, a nonprofit consulting group on your planning for return to school. That's exciting. Yes. Yeah. We thought that sounded great. (laughs) And so we said, wow, we would be kind of silly to pass up on that opportunity because that too, with the pandemic return to school, (laughs) (laughs) it's, it's just so, so hard. There's so many things that roll into that. But with that, we also gained an opportunity to work with some folks who have a lot of experience with curriculum implementation so in one of our early Zoom meetings with them, the, the very, you know, 
brass tacks question was asked, what do you use for your curriculum specifically? And I, I said, um, well, we're balanced literacy. Okay, well, what do you use for your curriculum? Um, well, we kind of, we do a lot of teacher made, we're, we're about standards and alignment standards. And our feedback there too is, uh, it's not going to cut it. Um, and I, I knew that I had been kind of wrestling with that myself mm-hmm. in terms of my learning and doing lots of reading about return to school planning and things like that, that materials matter. And, um, I love the comment that I think it was, Jared Miracle. Mm-hmm. Sorry well, good job. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> but he had that article that he really just said, um, knowledge travels well. And um, that really resonated with me. And so as we started talking about the curriculum piece with um, our partners, with instruction partners, you know, they said, well, what have you looked at? And so we named, I named the the couple that had risen to the top and they said, you really, wit and wisdom. Out of the ones you've looked at, there's no doubt wit and wisdom is really what you need to go with. It is a very high quality uh, program. It's going to hit all the big points. Um, and and so my life flashed before my eyes a little bit right at that moment. <laughs> Number one, okay, this is early July. What? <laughs> We're also trying to do pandemic planning and all of that. And they said, no, if you you can possibly do this financially, you must do it now. And I, I felt like that was not, I couldn't argue with that being the right thing to do. That doesn't necessarily mean easy Mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean, you know, um, all that uh, easy to navigate in terms of the staffing and preparing for it and let alone even getting all the materials here on time. So (laughs) lots of challenges to say the least, Mm -hmm. but um, so we have implemented wit and wisdom K five. We also adopted foundations for our foundational skills program and we purchased geodes um, also part of wit and wisdom, obviously, but um, yeah, that's where we're at. And we're plugging away one day at a time. That's so. amazing. I love that. Um, I've been thinking a lot about as a parent um, about that moral and ethical op- obligation. Mm-hmm. And when you were talking about that, it, it gave me goosebumps. Like it's just it, as not just as parents, but as educators too, I think it's a really interesting space to be in this virtual reality where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hearing our kids on Zoom calls or Google Meets and receiving content that, like, you can sit there and say, what my students are getting is high quality if teachers are using the curriculum, right? right. And the alternative in this virtual space is really not quality. Um, I, you know, I was sharing with Melissa yesterday um, that. I just feel so compelled to put pen to paper and just write um, 
Ed Week or <laughs> someone <laughs> who will listen, uh, just what the reality is for kids who don't have high quality curriculum and like take them through the day. Um, because even though your decision was really, really hard um, in terms of implementation, you know, probably was easy in terms of research. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but in terms of implementation, you know, you chose the the more difficult route. Um, but we know that that it's the one that's backed, you know, with with the right research and the right stuff uh, mm-hmm. to make it happen. So, you know, as we as we think about your teachers now in this space trying to make it work, mm-hmm. um, what kind of feedback have you have you heard from teachers or even from families or students? Um, you know, in in COVID reality, like <laughs> how is it going? <laughs> Well, wow. So many things are going through my mind right now. So um, I will say to your point about instruction in this time, particularly virtual instruction. Yes, incredibly tough to do anything right now. But if I think about how, how, how would a teacher coach a parent through helping their student find main idea and supporting detail or something like that versus trying to just support a parent to have a great conversation with their child about a great text. I think that translates so much more readily to any type of distance option, even if it's a a packet type of a situation. So that piece is there, but also what are we hearing from teachers? It's, it's the gamut. One area where people are pretty consistent is that this is, this is tough. There is absolutely no doubt about that. And we did have a number of teachers who were all in favor, um, joined a, an implementation committee, um, even though it was during the summer and it meant a lot of extra hours and things like that. So there have been a number of champions, um, which has been amazing. But uh, we also have had a lot of people who are just feeling uh, kind of marginalized, I, I think would be the right word, but I don't, I wouldn't want to put words in their mouths, but people who we value and that, that weighs on me. It does. I, we love our staff. I will say no better teachers anywhere in the world. Um, but it's been really tough for them. And that's just an honest truth. The other piece, though, and what I have said so many times is what keeps me going is um, thinking about like I'm, I'm waiting for every one of our teachers to have that moment where a kid just amazes them. Mm-hmm. And that has been so awesome because it has, it started happening from module zero, really, yeah. that teachers would say, hey, my kids did this, this, this. It was so awesome because they were so engaged in it. And that is just, that's been such a source of renewal and energy for me. And I've never, I've never had that happen before. I mean, granted, I haven't been in this role for a really long time, but I have never had a parent call me to say, honestly, anything negative or positive about curriculum. (laughs) (laughs) I've already had a number of parents either email or a couple phone calls here and there to say, my fifth grade son is coming home and 
talking to me about what he's learning in, in, you know, this book that they're reading or another parent said, I love that I, I was there to witness my two kids, my, I think it was a fifth grade son and a, maybe a high school age son having a conversation about World War II because the younger one was reading a, a text about Anne Frank and the whole thing. And I've never seen that before. And those things are so exciting to me. And I've had a number of teachers say, I think I just had that wit and wisdom moment where uh-huh. I thought this was so, it was going to be way too hard for them. They were not going to get it. And I had a kid just totally amaze me with what they understood. And I am just, I'm just living for every one of our teachers to have that moment. I just think that's so exciting. And I think that's also what gives them that energy and renewal because it is extremely tough to try to do this right now. So I don't even know if I answered your question there. You did. <laughs> well, yes, you did. You did. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, so many things resonate there. I'm sure you've heard on other podcasts too, things that are similar. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we talked to, I think it was Natalie Wexler. Was that? I don't remember. I think it was Natalie Wexler who talked to us about, you know, just how big this change is for teachers and all the reasons why it's hard to make this change. Mm-hmm. And it's real, right? And so even, even for our best teachers, sometimes it's really hard to change from what you were doing for a lot of really good reasons. Yes. Um, so yeah, I think that that's really real. And especially when you guys kind of jumped right in. I know here in Baltimore, we, we did something similar, right? Like we, we hear from some states, like in Tennessee, they did like some pilots the first year and mm-hmm. really like took their time to get people on board. And we were similar, like with you guys, we just jumped right in <laughs> with a really large district. And so, um, you know, on one hand, it's, I think it's good that, you know, people had that time to, you know, put their minds around it. But at the same time, sometimes you just jump right in and see the changes as you go. Yeah. And if it might be a little harder. Yes. Uh, it's, I think it's been very tough. Just logistically, it's been incredibly tough to even like get the, all the materials in time. Um, but to not have that opportunity to um, a- allow people some time to ease into it. Instead, we're just like, okay, we're all going into the deep end of the pool and we're jumping <laughs> together yeah. right now. So we hope you have your bathing suit on because... <laughs> That reminds me of, I'm, I'm holding the book Code Talker, which is uh, our seventh, Wit and Wisdom seventh grade module two, because I'm the, I'm doing the seventh grade um, uh, in sync. I'm the, mm-hmm. the great, quote, great minds teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and it reminds me of when uh, the protagonist, Ned, was in boot camp for the Marine Corps, and they just blindfolded them all and threw them into the deep end of the pool. And nobody really knew how to swim. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's a great metaphor. Right. <laughs> but that leads me to my question. <laughs> um, what have you done any professional development or coaching? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, <laughs> to yes, help yes. them swim. Yes, yes. Yes. We're trying, trying so hard. I wish we could, I wish we could clone or something. We have three amazing elementary instructional coaches, Robin, Cindy, and Tina. Awesome. And, and we only, there are only three, we have six elementary school buildings and um, gosh, I don't know how many sections at each one uh, multiplied times the, all the buildings, but not enough ICs 
certainly for the for the scope of the task that's at hand right at this moment. But what we've done is assign each of them to two grade levels so that they could sort of specialize and 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 limit what they needed to learn in terms of the materials themselves mm-hmm. in order to do some coaching and support the implementation with teachers. But yeah, we had a full day of the leadership um, PD with We did launch uh, PD with all of our elementary teachers who are in any way connected with ELA and literacy instruction. Mm -hmm. Um, We've had great minds support from Sarah Woodard and um, Stacey Fitzwater and uh, yesterday, one of our ICs, um, Cindy Cook, had set up a time to visit with Lorraine Griffith about um, geodes and, and where we can kind of leverage that as a really great instructional tool. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've had amazing support from Great Minds to just ongoing, like, you know, help us kind of navigate this. And that's been great. And Abby has been amazing, our rep. And also put us in touch with someone who I had actually spoken with last spring, and that um, is Becky Michael, who works in Scotts Bluff, Nebraska, which is way on the other side of the state. But she's become a very critical friend, and she's able to Zoom meet with us. It's been about once a week lately, which is fantastic because we speak a lot of the same language in our state as far as standards and all those kinds of things. And their district kind of had a similar journey towards this, but certainly had more lead time to even do it. <laughs> but she's been so awesome, just so generous of her time and um, sharing different documents and navigating that transition between balanced literacy and those, all the things that go with that into a new, a new realm. And, and yeah. so that's been a silver lining too, is to make these connections with people all over. Honestly, our superintendent has been in touch with superintendents in Tennessee and uh, I think Louisiana. And so, yeah, it's been That's exciting. Not, not, we could probably use about 10 more ICs. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. And we've had a number of teachers who are right on board and totally willing to do everything they can to with their full schedules. So mm-hmm. it's such a shift because I remember in in Baltimore, um, bef- you know, before we even knew that high quality curriculum existed, like before I had even heard the name Natalie Wexler or heard of Witten Wisdom, um, I remember doing professional developments like on pedagogy like with teachers. And then, you know, on let's unpack standards, um, you know, two and three. And, mm-hmm. and what does this mean? And you're really like digging into it. So it is a big shift to go from that to really curriculum focused professional development by the folks who wrote the curriculum. Mm-hmm. And then you know, how they're recommending to unpack it with protocols and such. And so that's, that's a really big shift to go from one end of the spectrum that's very wide open mm-hmm. to another end of the spectrum that's, that's very narrow and focused on curriculum. And David Lieben, um, 
spoke in Baltimore, not this past fall, but the fall before. And he spoke with one of our teachers uh, who we've interviewed, Kier, you probably remember him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> He's so eloquent. Um, and they, so they were, they were speaking and, and David said to, to all this, this huge group of teachers in, you know, an auditorium, he said, forget about the standards, forget about them. The curriculum has the standards in it. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about the standards. Worry about teaching the curriculum and you will teach the standards. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I need to put this like on a t-shirt and a banner and my car and <laughs> like, don't worry about the standards. If you're using high quality curriculum, like when wisdom, you will teach the standards, yeah. <laughs> which I think like leads us to a lot of conversations around like the, the transition from standards based to, you know, really high quality material based and and what that means (laughs) yes totally that's happened here too and in in our we are not a common core state where we have our own state standards and the standards are um structured such that we have a standard and then we have indicators Mm. underneath that standard and when we did all of our standards prioritization work we prioritized indicators and that also has been a bit of a journey of thought and learning for me too. And I, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm still early enough in my learning that I, and somebody else who knows a lot more can totally correct me. So if you're out there, give me a call. Cause I would love to <laughs> not have to learn everything the hard way, but um, just thinking about that and reflecting on that, that has, that has uh, led us to things like, focusing on a narrow skill, teaching, t- grabbing a text, not for the sake of the text, but for the sake of teaching main idea and supporting detail. And I think that has led to really a lot of overall incoherence. And, and uh, I just am not quite sure how I, I love the exploration of topics and being, and I think about, our, our English learners, for example, and being able to use that same type of vocabulary and, and language structures in multiple ways, reading, writing, speaking, and listening, building knowledge, whereas if we're grabbing a piece of isolated text to teach something like main idea, it you don't get that opportunity. It's And it's so hard to achieve that that way. And also, I think then if you develop your own common assessments around that, as we have, I think it's really, really a short hop to lowering the rigor. It's very hard to maintain high levels of rigor with that. And um, But I'm also not quite ready to say all the standards work is I, I'm... I'm I'm still in the both and I think they can be happy living together. We just need to figure out some pieces in terms of how to make that work. And we went through some of that transition a couple of years ago and we adopted a new math curriculum that was very different from what we had done before. And what we learned was there's a interaction between those two and you need to be open to that and be open to evolving what you do over time. And, and we were able to figure that out and I'm sure we can figure this out too. So, 
you just have to decide what you can, what you have to do right now and what you can kind of feel your way through a little bit. So. Yeah. I, you know, I, I kind of want to point out, um, for those listening, what you mean. Mm -hmm. Um, so can I give an example? Sure. Okay. So I'm going to give an example and it might take me a moment to find, um, I really want to pull up this this slide from Lee that uh, we have for wit and wisdom. Um, but the the example that I want to start with is like the old way, right? So, and I will take you through this is this is from what my daughter has been experiencing. Um, Melissa heard me rant about this yesterday, um, but <laughs> this she's in third grade, and this is like to think about the the isolated, disconnected, where where you know. Um, reading, writing, speaking, and listening do not intersect. Um, so, for example, Presley's day starts with a journal entry, and that could be anything like about ice cream or an ice cream sundae, um, who she admires. Then she goes on to read from a basil reader. Okay, so it's not a book. Um, for example, the other day they read an autobiography of Gary Soto. Um, who they weren't reading about, so they weren't reading like any books by him. It was just like a totally random. Um, Then they're asked a few basic skill-driven comprehension questions. For example, sequence the events, identify the main character's traits. Um, Then they, then she's been asked, and this is like all in the same day, write a creative writing story about a topic assigned. So for example, um, an animal's first day of school or family traditions. Um, Don't forget to use lots of details and transition words, which we haven't learned. (laughs) Um, Nor do we have a a text to reference. Um, Then she might partake in a phonics lesson that may or may not be accurate thanks to like uh, programs that do their own research uh, and or teachers pay teachers. (laughs) Um, And then she would read a phonics story to practice the skills that she's learned. Um, So comparatively, what you have is knowledge building geodes, right? So your Mm -hmm. phonics is really integrated. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, for example, it might be called like uh, Val's new bike. Um, Then she has to answer comprehension questions about a story like that where really there's not not a lot of meat or content. Um, And that's all before we even get to like math or social studies And I will just give a little personal rant that, you know, last Tuesday, she was asked to become an expert in 20 minutes on the world's oceans using like Pebble Go and Brain Pop. So for those listening who are like wondering what you're talking about, (laughs) like I just give a really clear example of completely isolated, you know, what that, what that looks like in complete isolation. And like, think about I would love for like you both to kind of think through like, what does that mean for students who are English language learners? What research have, have we encountered that says like, this is not the way to go? Um, do you, Melissa or Tracy, any thoughts on, on that? <laughs> As I try and find my example for my, my integrated approach. Yeah. I don't have an example of that, but something that popped in my head similarly is uh, when Tracy, you were talking about like, pulling a random text for an isolated skill <laughs> popped in my head was the, um, you know, the book about the, it's the three little pigs, but it's from the point of view of the wolf. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I have seen that used in elementary school, in high school, middle school, across the board to teach point of view, right? Because that's the standard we're working on is about point of view, but it's completely isolated. And I think that the difference for me and what you're talking about, Tracy, is like, instead of, oh, point of view, let me find something (laughs) and teach them about point of view. Of course, you're like, if that's a standard, you're still going to talk about the point of view of the high quality text that's in the curriculum, like code talkers that Lori was had in her hand, right? Like you shouldn't talk about the point of view of that, but you shouldn't just pull some random thing. That's, I mean, honestly, that's a, what probably a first to second grade reading level for all your grade levels to, to show this and then think it's going to magically transfer to this much more difficult text that they have to read. Um, so right. that's for me is the difference between and I'm thinking too about that. That was really that was one of the big things. I'll I'll say something that's personal to me. The reason I got into administration, I had, both my parents were school administrators, teachers, and then school administrators. Mom was a, a elementary principal for 17 years before she retired. My dad was a principal, a superintendent, and prior to that, had been teachers. And I know how hard they worked. I know that. The reason I got into administration was I was really struggling as a school psychologist sometimes seeing, gosh, I these kids, so often we would identify them as having learning disabilities, so capable, so intelligent. And I think about things like the Matthew effect and 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 just the impact of knowledge, the baseball study, the Cervetti study on the importance of knowledge in terms of comprehension. And I saw that myself as I would, I mean, I evaluated thousands of kids. I taught school psychs how to do school psych at the college level (laughs) for 14 years too in there. And I just felt like, no, there's got to be a better solution and it's got to come on the tier one universal side. It has to be on that side of the equation. And so then also learning about all this has really resonated with me in, you know, for years I thought, well, you know, the whole idea of leveling down, it doesn't quite make sense to me based on what I know about MTSS and those kinds of things. But but I'll just, you know, everybody else probably knows more about the, about the instructional aspect. And, and um, so I don't know. That's been a really, there's been a lot of angst for me with all that too, but that's just where, okay, finally, almost every single thing as I learn a new thing, I go, oh, that totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. That totally makes sense. And it all starts to really align well together, leading me continually back to Scarborough's Rope and those pieces. My favorite. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, but I'm thinking about your example, Melissa, about the, it's John Siska, if I'm saying his name right, the, <sighs> the true story, the three little yes, pigs. Yes, yeah, yeah. But the great also, <laughs> No offense to awesome it. Book, totally, but <laughs> point of view, how about like thunder rolling in the mountains? Yeah. Wow. And to explore that through a whole module. Right. And... That has impact so far beyond any standard about understanding point of view. Yeah. That's about that's about humans and relationships and and society and culture and values and norms and 
all those big things. And um, so another little nugget that my, <laughs> the person I want to be when I grow up, Becky, my <laughs> shared with me is, I said, so, you know, what's the impact in your district? I think this is starting their third year of implementation for elementary. And I think they started upper grades a year prior. Um, you know, what do you see? And she said something like, Tracy, there's a lot more kindness. We're kinder to each other. That's interesting. I love and that, that just, that just, that's a, oh, I, we need more of that in the world. That's a big deal. That is, that's everything. And so just the inclusivity of these conversations that are structured so beautifully around hard topics, yeah, things that are touchy and, um, you know, potentially sensitive, but they're handled so well. And so then on top of that, you also get amazing instructional support and structure. I just think that's that's exactly where we want to be. And I will say too, I've I did a lot of reading. We thought, okay, we're tabling this for for next year. This was back in June or so, and I started exploring some of the other high quality instructional materials like EL education and. Um, um, core knowledge, those kinds of things. And I, I was really open to exploring all of those too. But one of the things I've always loved about Wit and Wisdom was the texts, the really beautiful, engaging texts. And we had heard that from other districts too, that that's where you get that engagement to start one, giving kids things to say and write about, two, um, building a community really. And um, I just think that's amazing. And it's, that is, those are the kind of intangibles, I think, that really structure and support rigor really well. Mm -hmm. Because, and I think some of our little anecdotal bits of evidence so far really support that too. We're, we're hearing from parents totally spontaneously. <laughs> it was talking to me about this book that's never happened before. So it might be just a handful, but we're a relatively small district. And I, I think that's pretty powerful. So yeah, I think it's going to happen more and more. I think those parts come together so well. So I just love that about, about so all this. Yeah. <laughs> what you said that really stuck out to me is that as you were going through, you're like, it just didn't make sense, right? Like it, it just mm -hmm. didn't make sense. And like what you have now just does. And then as you're learning more, you know, it's kind of like everything's lining up. Like there's a reason why it's making sense. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, any, that's what I kind of keep, it's really hard, I think, to be in this world. I know we all talked about it. Like, you know, it's really nice to have people who understand and can speak the language. Mm -hmm. And then when you go out in the real world and you're like, you know, talking to other educators and, you know, I'm at the the grocery store or I'm at the the pool or whatever it might be and and I'm talking to you know teacher friends and they have no idea what you know high quality instructional materials are and mm -hmm. and what this could look like and they're talking about leveled reading and I'm like oh, okay so how can I say yeah. this in a way that's gonna you know kind of help them to understand and what I what I think is that like it just doesn't make sense like we don't go to the library and check out a book at our reading level or listen to a podcast at our 
reading or listening level, however you want to say it. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't get an email or a text message or pick up an article that I want to read and then read it and time myself and then read it five more times and time myself and try to beat my time. Like there are so many (laughs) educational practices that we are quote doing to kids that don't make sense and really like there's no reason for them. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But you can, anybody totally gets how the idea of a topic, exploring a topic Uh, finding a great book and just saying this is whether it's about the topic content oh I know you're really interested in American history so I think you'd love this book or this is a really well-written book and I I think you would appreciate the you know the story of it or whatever I I think that is just outstanding and I can't even I don't know if I could even count and I would say the same as a parent too my kids were motivated by knowledge yeah they they love to learn things my I have three boys all in college now but all of them loved um, informational texts and to try to get them to read a novel not really their cup of tea they would they did it you know when they had a two in school but um, that's one of the things I really love too is getting that in-depth exposure to the knowledge building over the course of a whole module and pulling in the writing and the Socratic seminars. So they're getting all those opportunities. I think that's really powerful. I can't wait to see the impact on our English learners because it just makes so much sense to me. That was a huge, huge piece of why I loved Wit and Wisdom is knowing that it was developed in collaboration with English Learner Success Forum, mm-hmm. a lot of ELs in our district. It is a big deal, um, and to I want I want I don't want curriculum just that kids just see themselves in. I want curriculum that invites them in mm-hmm. to see others. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So thinking about that integrated approach, it's like. You queued me up. I found the uh, the slide from launch that I, uh, you know, that your teachers saw. Um, I don't. I don't know if you remember it. It's um, from grade one, module three. Uh, powerful forces and it's specifically from lesson 23 so it's just giving like a little snippet like we're zooming into lesson 23 um, thinking about what does the integrated approach look like and the text is uh, brave Irene and in terms of like reading writing speaking and listening all that quote stuff here's mm-hmm. kind of like a snapshot of what they would do so think about like the integrated approach and and think about you know all of our learners um, in reading they're analyzing verb impact explaining the wind's actions they're inferring Irene's feelings from sensory language and explaining her how her feelings change mm-hmm. and they're practicing fluency then in pairs, they're discussing the wind's actions. They're doing a read aloud um, of a completed paragraph to a partner. They're reviewing verb functions, acting out verbs from the story to address style and conventions. For vocabulary, they're using context clues to define brave, adding feeling words to an anchor chart, and comparing shades of meaning among feeling words, which I feel like as a teacher, that's that's super exciting stuff for first grade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for writing, they're adding sensory language to complete a paragraph about Irene. And when, you know, when you think about 
all of the things in an isolated space versus an integrated space that is, you know, it's addressing all of those standards, how much more cohesive that day looks like. I mean, even just, I mean, two hours, mm-hmm. <laughs> cohesive two hours for our mm-hmm. students um, really makes a difference. And, and I just, I love what you said about your, how it, um, the English language success forum, you know, really uh, complements the way that Wit and Wisdom crafted their lessons. And um, that stood out to me as well. And when we were in Baltimore and we were, we were choosing, because I think it's important that, you know, you're kind of vetted by a, a big organization that supports a, a whole bunch of learners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's really yes. good for all learners. <laughs> yes. And, and that and the universal design pieces and, yes. and just having that same level of high expectations for everyone, but also scaffolding and, and designing the, um, the, the curriculum, the lessons, all of it to support that for teachers, I think is super important and powerful because we can't be experts in everything. And so to have that kind of baked in is really helpful. And then we have really talented EL teachers and special education teachers, and they know that piece. So if they can see those on-ramps and help um, support that for classroom teachers. And by the way, I was, as you were saying all that, I was thinking, and boy, oh boy, did we touch on a lot of standards. (laughs) And it's powerful. And we've seen that already. We saw that um, there's a, the first module in, fourth grade talks about literal and figurative language and uh, a a figurative great heart and a literal great heart. And those texts are so great and kids are loving them. And we just say, you know, I've I've taught literal and figurative really all year before and my kids didn't get it. And they are really getting it just a couple lessons in. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, that's a that's a fabulous module. That is, I think, yeah. one of my favorites because of the books. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, you have just shared so much incredible information, and we can't thank you enough. And I know you know because you listen to all of the episodes. But every single guest that we have, we ask to leave a little piece of advice for our listeners. So, uh, Tracy, would you share? a piece of advice for our listeners as you like trailblaze in this time of the unknown and just rock your world with all of the high quality instructional materials. We're so proud that you've done this. (laughs) Um, Let's see. I, I think be courageous, Um, do, do the things that are tough. And I have no doubt that every teacher is in it for, for kids no doubt. And sometimes even that means asking them to do something really challenging, but I I believe we will see that benefit and that will then also lead people more to, to believe that road that we're asking them to, to walk down is the right road to take. I really do. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so, so much. This has been such a treat and we cannot wait to talk to you again, maybe at the end of the year or <laughs> sometime if you'll come back and share how everything is going. <laughs> yes, I would love to. And I, I, again, love making these connections and it's such a powerful thing to do for us. So I'm happy to do it and 
we love your podcast and it's been really helpful for us too. Thank you. Well, we love to hear that. Thank you so much, Tracy. Thank you. Bye. Bye.